The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Schizophrenia Community Radio. By listening to Schizophrenia Community Radio, you'll be joining, supporting, and gaining strength from the schizophrenia community. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Episode 17 of Schizophrenia Community Radio. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic today is listening, empathizing, agreeing, and partnering in schizophrenia. Now, schizophrenia, as we all know, is a serious mental illness associated with psychotic symptoms which create difficulties maintaining contact with reality and create high-risk behaviours in some individuals. Schizophrenia affects men and women with equal frequency, most often appears in men in their late teens or early 20s, but in women in their late 20s or early 30s. Schizophrenia may interfere with the ability to think clearly, manage emotions, relate to others, and to make decisions, which causes some individuals living with schizophrenia to believe that they have no illness, to resist prescribed medications, especially those with unpleasant side effects, and to turn to street drugs, some of which are lethal mixtures of powerful substances. All of which and more is why our topic, listening, empathizing, agreeing and partnering in schizophrenia, is so important for the schizophrenia community and the mental health community generally. Um, our, to discuss this topic, my guest is Dr. Javier Amador. Now, Javier is um, an international renowned clinical psychologist and leader in his field. His books, Authoritative Clinical Research, worldwide speaking tours and extensive work in television news and entertainment make him truly, truly unique among his peers. His work as a leading therapist for individuals, families, children and couples has been featured on PBS Nova, ABC Primetime Live and NBC Bravo. He's author of many popular books, including I Am Right, You're Wrong, Now What? Another, I Am Not Sick, I Don't Need Help. And another, When Someone You Love Is Depressed, How to Help Without Losing Yourself. When giving advice, he draws on 30 years of experience as a therapist, his personal story, and solid research. He's currently a visiting prof of psychology at the State University of New York. He's also served as a professor of psychiatry and clinical psychology at Columbia University and professor of psychology at New York University. And he's the founder of the LEAP, L-E-A-P, Institute. So first, Javier, well, please tell us more about your research, personal life and professional experience as a therapist. Javier? 
Um, well, Gordon, I, you know, originally I started doing research in the area of schizophrenia way back in 1985, but it wasn't until uh, 89 that I got very interested in the problem of poor insight or, or unawareness of illness. I prefer that term because um, I was trained to believe that when someone with schizophrenia says, I'm not sick, there's nothing wrong with me, um, I don't need help, you're the crazy one, not me, um, that it was denial, that it was somebody unable to face a, a harsh reality, a, a devastating diagnosis. Um, I don't think it's a devastating diagnosis, frankly, for, for many people with the illness. Um, but my research really began out of a number of different experiences. I've worked in a really wide range of clinical settings. Um, I've worked on a nursing staff. I've worked on a crisis team with the police department way back in the early 80s. I've worked in five different hospitals. I've worked in outpatient uh, community emergency rooms. So why, why am I saying all this? Um, you know, my academic credentials may be impressive to some people, but for me, it was really the the you know person to person experiences I've had with so many people with schizophrenia and their families while they were suffering acutely from symptoms and needed hospitalization after they left the hospital and were trying to live in the community, uh, relapsing, going back into the hospital. And then many who recover, who are working, who return to school and so on. So my clinical experience really, really covers a very broad spectrum of care, uh, actually. And, you know, my research, it started out as a curiosity. You know, what do we know about insight? And it turned out back in 1989 when I, I began, there were only about 10 studies. Today, there's close to 300 research articles on the problem of unawareness of illness and schizophrenia. And the top findings are half of all patients with schizophrenia have long-standing, lifelong problems with understanding they're ill, and it is the top predictor of who will not accept treatment, medication, supportive housing, all kinds of treatment. It is the top predictor, this unawareness of illness. Now, so let's just follow on with this question about LEAP. And just read the content of what that means. Listen, empathize, agree, partner, and, it, and the way it focuses on relationships. Please tell us about that and how that fits into what you've been talking about, the diagnosis and this refusal you didn't use this word, but I'm going to to recognize that there is illness at work. Well, well, you know, I wouldn't use the word refusal to recognize. It's one of the things we teach. That is, if if this is indeed a symptom of the brain disorder, which um, uh, those of us who do research in this area are absolutely convinced of. And in fact, if you look at the, the diagnostic manual used um, probably most widely, uh, certainly in, in Western countries, DSM, uh, we've been talking about a symptom called anosognosia. It's, it's this unawareness of illness since the DSM-4 text revised version. I was co-chair of that revision, and, and we did a peer review of the scientific literature, and it's clear that frontal lobe dysfunction is commonly associated with not being aware that you have schizophrenia. So what, what about LEAP? What, what, what is LEAP, really? Um, 
sounds pretty pretty elementary, doesn't it? You know, empathize, agree, partner, but it's not because what happens is when people get diagnosed with schizophrenia or other major mental illnesses, they're typically then um, put into a kind of student role or a patient role uh, where they're given information, they're educated about their illness, they're given a prognosis, they're uh, uh, referred for services, they're given medication. What is refused, I don't think, is the diagnosis. I think these are people who don't understand are incapable of understanding their ill. 50%, again, is the worldwide rate that we find now in close to 300 research studies don't understand their ill for years and decades. So what do we do to people? We can't educate them about an illness that they are certain they don't have. Instead, we need to listen to them about their experience and then respect it. And LEAP really grows out of the research on therapeutic alliance and the best predictor, I mentioned a moment ago, that not understanding you have schizophrenia is the top predictor of refusal to take medication, non-adherence to medication and other treatments. Well, it turns out the best predictor of being engaged in treatment is, if, if you don't have insight, is a strong relationship with a healthcare professional or a family member where the person feels listened to, empathized with, they have areas where they agree, and they partner on those areas. There's three more tools in the toolkit. There's seven communication tools in the LEAP program. Right. Now, let's just go back to the beginning of LEAP. Please tell us in more detail about the purposes for which you originally developed LEAP. Well, you know, it was frustration, Gordon. Um, I, I, a lot of frustration. I know uh, you and anyone else who works with, with, with people that we're trying to help uh, who have this illness, um, where our help is often um, uh, tossed aside, refused, uh, disparaged. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier uh, people not taking medications because of side effects. Actually, the research shows that side effects don't predict who don't take the, who doesn't take medication for schizophrenia. But that's what happens when you don't believe you're ill and you don't want to take medication. What happens is the, the person isn't going to keep telling their doctor after a year or five years, well, I'm not sick, and that's why I'm not taking the medicine. Instead, they focus on what the doctor is willing to listen to, which is side effects. Side effects are important, but that is not the reason we have 50 to 75% of patients with schizophrenia not taking medication, and so not having a, a chance at recovery. Um, you know, I originally developed this because of that frustration, working inpatient, getting, helping people to get, you know, quote, stabilized from my perspective. From their perspective, they were coerced into treatment by uh, their mothers, and the mothers get blamed a lot. I, I feel for them. Um, you know, the police brought you here. Why? Because of my mother and father, because of my mother. But why would the police bring you here? I don't know. And these are the kinds of conversations we we have clinically and in the research that, that I did at Columbia University and, and with our group, we would get these answers from patients. It's not because I'm ill, it's because, you know, family pressure or court-ordered treatment. I also had a brother with schizophrenia. So I have a very personal connection to, you know, living with this illness. And my brother never came to understand he was mentally ill. He didn't die from his illness. 
Um, and, and that's another story, uh, perhaps for another time. But he, he lived um, ultimately a very wonderful life in treatment, but not until, you know, he went through seven years of fighting and arguing with me and with every healthcare professional that tried to tell him he was sick and needed medication. And it wasn't until I listened to him and promised I would never again tell him that I believed he was mentally ill and needed medication and empathized with him that we began to turn our relationship around. And as I said earlier, that kind of respectful relationship results in people much more likely taking their medication, taking the medication. It's not theirs yet. And uh, listening to our advice. Zamir, that's a very hopeful analysis of the problem. In other words, not understanding for whatever reason, not wanting to understand, not to fight with them about it, but instead encourage them. That's Mm -hmm. a message of hope. Now, I'd like to discuss that with you more, but right now we've reached the time where we have to take the short break. This is where I always say we have to pay the rent, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Asley, and my guest is Dr. Javier Amador. You're listening to Schizophrenia Community Radio on Voice America's health and wellness and variety channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Schizophrenia Community Radio with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments you'd like to share with him, please send them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. 
That's Doc, letter G, at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Now back to Schizophrenia Community Radio. Welcome back to our listeners to Schizophrenia Community Radio and Dr. Javier Amador. Our topic is listening, empathizing, agreeing, and partnering in schizophrenia. Now, Javier, let's talk about the challenges created by schizophrenia for individuals who live with it, for their families and family caregivers, and for the providers of medical treatment for schizophrenia. So, in, in your work with LEAP, what do you find to be the most challenging of the challenges experienced by individuals who live with schizophrenia? I, I think the biggest challenge I hear over and over and over again for the person living with this illness is how their families and healthcare professionals deny their reality, their truth. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm not sick. Why are you badgering me? That's what my brother told me. For seven years, we argued, Gordon. And I, you know, I, I thought I was helping him. I thought that even with tough love and enough gentle confrontation, and later it wasn't so gentle, I would try to make him feel guilty and say, how can you do this to our mother? You know, you were well in the hospital. You came out, and, and you can guess what he did with his pills when he came out. He, he tossed them in the garbage. And I hear this over and over again all over the world. I was in Croatia last week. I asked people when I told them the story of my brother Henry and, and myself, where do you think I found his bottle of antipsychotic medication when he came out of the hospital? And people raise their hand and they say the trash bin. I was in Dubai three weeks ago. Same answer. We all experienced this. But if you take the perspective of my brother and uh, uh, you know the, the tens of millions of people around the world with schizophrenia, um, hundreds of million actually, now that I think about it, um, who don't understand they're ill, who have anisognosia for mental illness. It's a symptom, just like a delusion. It's really lonely, and that's the biggest challenge. They're, the person is all alone in their certainty. Nothing's wrong with me, and everybody is against me, and nobody will support me. And they're even trying to force me to take medication I don't need. So that by far... If I'm listening, and I have been for uh, a good 30 years now, to patients with schizophrenia who have this other symptom, this anisognosia, it's that. That's the challenge. Um, how do I uh, you know, stay friends with my family, stay friends with my, my, my friends? How do I work with this nice uh, Dr. Uh, Atherley? He seems like a nice, nice man, or Dr. Amador. He seems like he cares. But he's one of those people who thinks I'm mentally ill, and I know I'm not. So that is the biggest challenge. For healthcare providers and family members, our biggest challenge, I think, is accepting the fact that this person is not willfully being difficult. They're not refusing to acknowledge they're ill. They're not even in denial, an unconscious suppression you know, of, of the truth. They are literally unaware, un, not capable of understanding they're ill. And when we, when, you know, if people read the research, uh, you can go to our website. There's free uh, articles on this. There's free videos on this at, at leapinstitute.org, leapinstitute.org, um, and no punctuation. And, and you'll be shocked. Um, most people will be shocked. Uh, 
because there's this big gap between science and practice. There is a great deal of science that this is a symptom. And once you understand that your patient, if you're a healthcare professional, or your loved one, if you're a family member, is refusing to take medication, even though they've been diagnosed and, and clearly need the medication and benefit from it, it is because of a symptom. And that changes everything. It, it immediately makes us more compassionate towards the person with, with schizophrenia, less argumentative. I mean, I would never dream of telling someone to stop hallucinating. Just stop hallucinating. Look what you're doing to our mother. And yet that's essentially what I did with my brother Henry. I said, just stop being in denial. Accept responsibility. Don't you see what this is doing to our mother? And, and taking the goal of convincing the person they're mentally ill and putting it in a box taping it up, putting it in another box, and then locking it away in a safe. <laughs> Don't try and convince the person they're mentally ill. If you've been trying for a year or longer, maybe it's time to start listening, empathizing with that person's experience, and focus on the areas where you agree, the A and LEAP. Right. Now, let me just ask you um, to say a little bit more about this not understanding is there anything else that you come across in schizophrenia that the individual is not understanding or is the not understanding really confined to the question or the issue of whether they are or are not experiencing a mental illness? Javier? You know, great question, Gordon, because it's, it, it started out as a research question for, for myself and our group back in 1989, 90, 91. And we were the first to look at, uh, this is during the DSM-4 field trials, whether uh, people diagnosed with schizophrenia were even aware of the symptoms that everyone else around them could see. Even symptoms like um, uh, flat affect, you know, the inability to express emotion, um, disorganized speech, the person who rambles, who's difficult to understand because their speech is, is so disorganized. Um, are they aware of those symptoms? Uh, and it turns out that there are deficits in awareness of all, across the board, all the various signs and symptoms of schizophrenia. So it's not just unawareness of the label, the stigmatizing label of a mental illness called schizophrenia. Patients are also unaware of the specific symptoms that family and healthcare providers reliably see that they have. Not all of them. They're, again, the rates run around 40-50% of unawareness. And then there's another really fascinating uh, area of research. Um, not that, you know, I mean, we're talking about very tragic circumstances here, and, and I'm kind of going back and forth between a, being a scientist and a, and a person who cares a lot about people who struggle with this illness. But scientifically, it is fascinating, and, and on, a, on a personal level, it helps me uh, – be better at what I do in terms of reaching and partnering with, with people with this illness. And that is that there is research showing that people who have tardive dyskinesia and schizophrenia, so it's a movement disorder, tardive dyskinesia. And imagine if you had like Parkinsonian symptoms, your, your arms or hands were moving or your face was making um, grimacing expressions and you couldn't control it, you would be aware of it. Most of us would, unless you had schizophrenia. People with schizophrenia, around 50%, don't even know they have tardive dyskinesia. So there's really just 
abundant evidence that there are a, a number of different deficits in awareness of, of illness, uh, neurologic illness, tardive dyskinesia, and psychiatric illness, signs and symptoms of schizophrenia. And again, etiology, cause. What's behind all this? Turns out it's not denial. We've looked at the experience of stigma. We've looked at, and by we I mean the field, how defensive a person is in terms of their personality. And none of those things predict the per- who is the person that says, I'm not sick, nothing's wrong with me for years. What predicts it is executive dysfunction, frontal lobe dysfunction. So, um, you know, clearly it's a symptom. It's been called a symptom actually since 1973. The International Pilot Study of Schizophrenia refers to, uh, back then they were still calling it lack of insight. I prefer unawareness of illness. Uh, I'm just going to interrupt you. Sorry to be rude, but um, I have another question for you. And time, as you know, has that snack of running bias. I want you just to talk about, please, uh, how your work with LEAP reveals to you the most challenging of the challenges experienced by providers of medical treatment for individuals who live with schizophrenia. And let me make no secret about that. I'm, I'm really asking the question about medical doctors. So what are the challenges, most challenging of the challenges for them? Javier? Demoralization. What happens is, and I hear it over and over again, a lot of doctors, a lot of psychiatrists are kind of pushed into the role of, of uh, you know, because of the system of being a psychopharmacologist and, and ineffective ones when we have 50 to 75% of their patients going off the medications they prescribe. And that's why when I train psychiatrists in LEAP and when our faculty train them, they love it because it, it's all about stepping back, stop you know, stopping being the expert and telling the patient they're ill and need medicine and instead listening to them and reflecting that, that back. It's very specific, active listening that we teach. So if I were a medical doctor meeting with a patient with schizophrenia and he said, my problem is the alien transmitter in my brain. It's not that I'm mentally ill. I would jump at the opportunity if I knew how to use leap to reflect that back. So your problem is you're not mentally ill. You don't need to see me. You need to see somebody about this transmitter. Did I understand you correctly? And the person typically, you know, lights up because no one is talking to them about their delusions this way. They might even ask you, do you believe me? And with LEAP, we teach people how to handle those questions. For example, you can delay answering. Do I believe you that you have a chip in your brain? Yeah, promise I'll tell you. I, I, I really will. But first, can we talk a little bit more about what your goals are? We, we move the conversation towards what the person wants. And if they insist on knowing our opinion, rather than being the expert, we humbly give it. We call it the three A's. We apologize, we acknowledge our fallibility, and we ask the person, please, let's agree to disagree. You know, you've asked me several times, do I think you have schizophrenia and uh, this chip isn't real that, that's in your brain? I'm sorry. I'll give you my opinion, and I'm going to apologize because it it might feel bad to you that I I think what I think, and I could be wrong. I don't know everything. Um, you know, technically, when I look at your experiences, I, I'd have to say you have schizophrenia, and I don't see evidence of the chip. But you know, I don't want to argue with you about this because there's other things we agree on. That doesn't take a long time. Some people listening might be thinking, "Oh, that's going to take longer." 
Let me do it again quickly. Do I think there's a chip in your brain or, or, or you have schizophrenia? Well, I'm sorry for my opinion because I think it's going to be hurtful. And I could be wrong, though. I want you to know. I, I accept the possibility I could be wrong, and I hope we can agree to disagree. What did that take me? Twelve seconds. So when you do that and you give your opinion, you're freed up to move to those areas where you agree and you can partner. Let's get you out of the hospital. Let's lower the tension at home. I can't tell you how many letters we get from, from grateful parents and patients uh, patients who say, I was really upset when I saw this book, I'm not sick, I don't need help, but I have to tell you, ever since my parents read it, they stopped bothering me about being mentally ill. Thank you. And, that, Which and that's hope. <laughs> that's hope, isn't it? That's oh, it's very hopeful. I have so much hope for people with schizophrenia, those who are aware and those who have anosognosia who are unaware. There's every reason to have hope. Um, the, you know, the research shows that people can and do get better um, especially when they're engaged in treatment reliably and they're engaged in relationships with other people. And LEAP is first and foremost about building strong relationships. Yeah. Now, we've reached, unfortunately, the time where we've got to take the break again, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guest is Dr. Javier Amador. You're listening to Schizophrenia Community Radio on Voice America's health and wellness and variety channels, CJMP 90.1, FM Community Radio and SharingTheBurden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Schizophrenia Community Radio with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments you'd like to share with him, please send them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. 
That's Doc, letter G, at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Now back to Schizophrenia Community Radio. Welcome back to our listeners to Schizophrenia Community Radio and Dr. Javier Amador. Our topic is listening, empathizing, agreeing, and partnering in schizophrenia. Now, let's talk about the ways in which LEAP helps in overcoming the most challenging of the challenges, the challenges that you've identified created by schizophrenia. So first question then is, please describe and explain the ways in which LEAP helps in overcoming the most challenging of these challenges experienced by individuals. Well, let me let me start by taking the perspective of a of a well, let me start by taking the perspective of a patient. Let's let's take three perspectives. The person with the illness, healthcare provider and family caregiver and apply leap to each of those um, experiences. If yes, I'm so, yeah, if I'm someone who who for 7 years and and you're my doctor and 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 my family agrees with you who has schizophrenia and doesn't know it. I am usually pretty angry, if not more than angry, and and scared, you know, paranoid, understandably. Um, I maybe have been hospitalized against my will. And then I meet up with somebody in the hospital who, who uses LEAP. And I don't want to be there, but I know what to say to get out. And I say, yeah, you know, I've got a mental illness and I'll take my medicine. And the person says to me, well, you know, you've been here about five times in the last two years and you always stop taking your medication. Can we talk about that? Well, I just didn't need it at that time. Well, tell me more about that. Well, I was better. So you were better when you got out of the hospital and and that's why you stopped. Yeah, that's about right. And then the leap trained doctor says, well, I can see why you stopped taking your medicine. You were better. And frankly, if it was me, I would have stopped taking my medicine too. What happened next? Well, my parents got really mad. They said I was acting strange. So the LEAP-trained therapist, and this is all hypothetical. I'm making this up off the top of my head. I'm not making up the, the, uh, the, the results that we see, but I'm making up this scenario. Uh-huh. Uh, the LEAP-trained doctor would say, um, so your parents got upset with you, and, and did, not, did, did, did they understand that you didn't need the medication anymore? No, they didn't understand it at all. Well, doctor, are you telling me you don't think I need the medication? Then we, that leap trained person might use the, the delaying tool, we call it. Because we want the person to ask for our opinion. We don't want to just give it to them unsolicited. We want to be someone that they feel respects their point of view. And if you're listening reflectively, like I just modeled, that's conveying a lot of respect and lack of judgment. And the person may even make the mistake of thinking, hey, this doctor agrees with me. I didn't need the medicine. Of course, that's not what the doctor thinks if he believes the person has schizophrenia. So he's asked, so do you think I should have stopped? And the doctor delays. Now, I'll tell you what I think about that, but can we talk more about how you resolve this with your parents? And we ask permission to delay. Would that be okay? Nine times out of ten, the the person with schizophrenia says, sure. And we continue talking. And if I'm asked for my opinion in the end, that trained doctor would say, well, you know, I, I could be wrong, but it seems to me where we agree, you know, I could be wrong. It, it looks like you might have schizophrenia, but you know what? Yeah, I, I mean, technically, I, I'm going to have to say you have schizophrenia, but I don't think that's so important. I think what's more important is what's happening with, if I heard you correctly and tell me if I'm wrong, that 
you're fighting with your parents. They're calling the police. They're getting you thrown into the hospital. And that's a big problem for you that I'd like to, to, to help you with. Is that a big problem for you? Yeah, it's a huge problem for me, doctor, yes. And that's what we partner on. And, and what will keep them from doing that? Well, if I take the medicine, I don't need. Yeah, I can see why you don't want to take it. So, you know, I'm giving you a lot of detail here, but the flow of the conversation is not the doctor as expert educating. It's the doctor befriending the person, trying to become an ally, and always being honest and genuinely trying to help this person find a reason to accept the recommendation, hey, why don't you be in treatment? And um, from the doctor's perspective, it's a very fulfilling way to approach someone who doesn't understand they're ill because you're no longer, frankly, being um, uh, uh, lied to. You know, I call it a white lie. My brother used to do it. He used to say uh, at family meetings uh, with the doctor there, again, this is many years ago when we used to do that in the States, and, and he would say, I promise I'll take the medication. I have schizophrenia. I get it. And then he'd come home and throw his medicine away. And he was lying to everybody. Well, you know, he wasn't lying in, 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 a, in a nefarious way. He was, it was common sense. He was saying what he had to say to get out. So for doctors using LEAP, the experience is really gratifying because it's a very honest, truthful interaction. In 10 seconds, I'll tell you, for family members, the result is almost instantaneous because what happens is there's no more arguing. I'm sorry I've been telling you you're mentally ill. I'm going to start listening to you because I don't think I've ever understood your, your perspective. That's what we teach family members to do, and they immediately start to rebuild relationships with their loved ones who have schizophrenia because they're not fighting with them anymore. Right. Now, let's go It's the same question, how LEAP helps in overcoming these challenging, most challenging of the challenges. And the people we want to ask you about are doctors, providers of medical treatment for the, for the individuals. Um, yes. How does LEAP help them? Well, it helps them first and foremost because you can't learn LEAP without learning about the research on anosognosia and the prevalence of the symptom of anosognosia, unawareness of illness. So that alone is of tremendous help to a, to a physician because the physician then understands my job now is not to break through someone's denial. My, my job is to build a relationship because LEAP, the, the LEAP curriculum, the LEAP approach also teaches doctors about the research on therapeutic alliance. So my job is to build a strong therapeutic alliance with this person in the 15 minutes I have, the 30 minutes I have. And the quickest way to do that, according to the research, is to listen without judgment and to listen with respect. So when a patient says to me, doctor, I don't need you to see you. You're the crazy one, not me. I love those moments. As a leap trained therapist, I say, so let me see if I understand you. I'm the crazy one. There's nothing wrong with you, and you don't need to see me, right? You bet that's right. And then we can start to talk. I've, I don't think I've had anyone walk out of a conversation that, that's opened, opened up that way. So for physicians, it's really an eye-opener, the research that the LEAP program teaches. And then the actual skills actually are fairly unique. Pure reflective listening is not taught in medical school or residency. Um, it's not even taught with motivational interviewing, which many people are familiar with. Um, 
because we're afraid to do it. We think we're going to make the delusion or the insight worse. Uh, in fact, you can use pure reflective listening, not be dishonest, and uh, handle those tough questions like, will you call up my parents and tell them I'm not mentally ill because you seem to understand that? When all you've been doing is not disagreeing with the person when they say they're mentally ill and reflecting it back. Um, so there's tools there for the physician to free him, him or, herself, or herself up to build that alliance through joining the person where they're at, embracing their goals, and linking that to your recommendation of treatment. Is it right, I'm just going to put a couple of words to you to see whether I've understood correctly or I'm going too far. Is it right to say there's an element, first of all, of respect that's being created on the part of the doctor, the medical doctor, towards the individual? So that's, that's yeah. so is it. Absolutely. Now you're, 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 um, I mean, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. This is exactly, um, um, you know, this is, this is where the gold is, is teaching a communication technique that is imbued with respect and generates mutual respect so that physicians learn to respect the person's point of view. My problem isn't that I'm mentally ill. The patient may say, my problem is my mother. And my father, they think I'm mentally ill and they're crazy. And would you help get them off my back? And if I respect that point of view, this person, we started out this, this discussion with, you know, what, what's kind of one of the, the most the biggest problems or difficulties, burdens for someone with schizophrenia. And it's that loneliness. It's that, that sense that nobody understands or believes me. And here I've got a doctor who believes me. Or maybe he doesn't believe me, but he's at least not arguing with me. Um, and, and, and so there is, you know, really an, an immediate positive communication of respect that goes on, uh, because the moment you say, well, okay, okay, I understand the problem with your parents, but you know, you've got an illness and, and, and when you stop taking your medication, you're relapsed. That's disrespectful communication. Yeah. doesn't no, seem just, like this, but it is. Just another word I want to test, test with you. Mm -hmm. Is this a kind of respectful, mutually respectful negotiation that's developed by the LEAP method, for, particularly for doctors? Absolutely, because, um, you know, and this is, look, this is ancient uh, psychological truths we're talking about. Um, you know, no one's interested in, in, in uh, your perspective unless you first are interested in theirs. Uh, and, and it's the same thing. No one, uh, unless they're genuinely respectful people in every circumstance, no one is overly eager to give respect to someone who's been disrespectful. So when you as a physician go out of your way to be respectful, and, and that means being humble, that, being humble. That means tell me what your experience is and, and honoring that experience by listening to it and, and letting the patient know you heard it. And even empathizing and saying, geez, you know, I'd feel the same way if I were you. What happens is it triggers respect in the opposite direction. Well, I think, Doc, that your recommendation that I take this medication is wrong, but I, I know you care about me. And, you know, I'll try it. I'll try it for this next month. 
I mean, that's the kind of thing we hear over and over again in our research, our qualitative research, and we have quantitative research as well. But the qualitative research, when we ask people who, are, who don't believe they're mentally ill, have schizophrenia, why do you take your medication? Why you, I, my brother, 18 years, he was taking a long-acting injectable. I asked him, why do, you, why do you take your medication if you're not mentally ill? And he said, I do it for you and for mom and pops. Mom and pops are actually people who ran a home that he lived in. Betty and James were their names. What's he saying? I'm doing it for people who I know care about me. I'm doing it for people who respect me. Um, and, and frankly, it's a kind of love. And certainly the brotherly love was there. He was doing it for those relationships. It's a re- re- reciprocity of respect, isn't it? That's absolutely right. And you know what? There's, you don't have to take my word for it. There are hundreds of papers on this in the social psychology, uh, social psychology literature. It's, I didn't know that until I started teaching LEAP and social psychologists started contacting me. Uh, and, and when you give respect, you get it back. Right. And you self-disclose, you get self-disclosure back. Exactly. Now, once again, unfortunately, we've come to the end of this particular segment, so we'll, we'll take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Natalie, and my guest is Dr. Javier Amador. You're listening to Schizophrenia Community Radio on Voice America's Health and Wellness and Variety channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Schizophrenia Community Radio with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments you'd like to share with him, please send them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. 
That's doc, letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Now back to Schizophrenia Community Radio. Welcome back to our listeners to Schizophrenia Community Radio and Dr. Javier Amador. Our topic is listening, empathizing, agreeing, and partnering in schizophrenia. Now, let's talk about what more you would like to do and see done to promote understanding of the value of listening, empathizing, agreeing, and partnering in schizophrenia. So, you, (laughs) Sylvia, please, (laughs) what more would you like to do to promote that understanding? You've given me the opportunity to do it right now. Uh, um, I would like to talk more about the research supporting the idea that we should stop trying to convince people who don't understand they're ill that they're that they're ill that have this illness and um, work hard to befriend them whether we're a family member or a police officer a lot of uh, people with schizophrenia end up in contact with the police for a variety of reasons and uh, usually because of crisis intervention and for the healthcare professionals for the physicians um, so, you know, we train faculty. I, I just trained uh, 10 psychiatrists in the Gulf uh, community of countries. Uh, we have faculty in the Netherlands and in Greece and Turkey. Uh, in the United States, I think more people that learn LEAP, the happier I am. Um, so one of the things that we do is we keep directing people to our website. There's free LEAP videos, uh, hour and a half long training videos with the research uh, covered and uh, role plays with physicians uh, in the videos. And if I, can, if I may, the, again, the, the uh, website is Leap Institute. So L-E-A-P, like, you know, jumping, leapinstitute.org, dot O-R-G. Go to resources and free, free Leap videos. My goal is that more people know about the research and pick up the seven tools that we, we put together and, and try them out. And uh, most people see immediate results. At the very least, they see a, uh, a more trusting, calmer relationship. And typically, if you stick with it, you see someone who, who really wants to work with you and, and even wants to please you. And so despite their better judgment, despite the fact they know they're not ill, from their perspective, they know they're not ill. Right. They get into treatment. Right. Now that's you and what you would like to do. What would you like to see done and who would you like it like to see it done by to promote the understanding of the value of what we're talking about, the listening and so on? Well, in in every country where there are, um, you know, the, the, the leaders of training programs for psychiatrists, for um, psychiatric nurses, um, psychologists, social workers, uh, and it's happening slowly in, in various states in the United States and in various provinces in Canada and various countries. But this needs to be mainstream curriculum, and I hear it over and over again. And in the book, I'm not sick. I don't need help. It's in 18 languages. It is used in courses um, with exactly the populations I'm, I'm talking about. You know, psychiatrists in training, nurses, social workers, psychologists. Um, boy, I would love to see people who are training uh, the, the next generation to close that gap between science and practice. Because 
the research is literally stranded in the journals. Um, that's why I quit. I, I resigned a tenured position at Columbia University to, um, to join the National Alliance on Mental Illness as their director of education, research, and practice back in 2001. I had a tenured position. I had about $7 million in research grants. I, we, we, we could finish the grants up while I was working at, at the National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI. But I did that because as a researcher, I was tired of, of you know, the same 150 people getting together talking about things like anisognosia, things like how therapeutic alliance is important, and it's not being taught. So if anyone listening to us is in a position of, of uh, policy uh, in government, in a position uh, as a trainer, uh, in a training uh, program of any kind, I, I, I just hope you'll go to our website minimally, um, open up a DSM-4 or even a DSM-5, the English version, turn to page 101 and read about anisognosia and read about how it's the top predictor in schizophrenia of non-adherence. Um, it's, you know, that's, that's my hope every day. That's why I, I keep going out there and, 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 uh, and and talking with wonderful people like you who are trying to educate the public and, 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 and the field. Right. Now, last question. What more would you like to see done by the Schizophrenia Society of Canada? That is to say, the organization that owns this talk show that we're talking on, um, so that they promote understanding of the value of listening, empathizing, agreeing, and partnering in schizophrenia. In other words, tell us what you would like us to do. Abby. Well, I would, I would love it if you made available, and, and I, I'm happy to make it available for free. I've done it many other places. Uh, four chapters from my book. Um, the One is The Root of the Problem, and it's, it's, it's a chapter on anisognosia. And the book is written for lay people and for therapists. And then uh, the uh, five chapters total, and there's four chapters on LEAP. Um, you know, you got to give it away to, to, to make it work. Uh, not everything, but, but enough. Um, the information's there if people want it. We, we've, uh, we offered it to NAMI. They've, um, they've had it. They're, uh, I'm not sure where it's posted on the NAMI website. Uh, but um, absolutely, I would love it if the society um, sends me an email and, and I'll, I'll send you the chapters. And give it to family members especially. And Give it to physicians and other healthcare professionals and let them make up their own mind about whether or not, you know, this makes sense to me. Because most people, in my experience, when they read about anisognosia and then when they read about the process of using LEAP, think, this is common sense. You know, why didn't I think of this before? And that's how I felt when I began to put this program together. I, you know, literally slapped my forehead, I think. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I realized I'd been arguing with my brother, what's the layman's uh, definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's what I'd done with my brother for seven years. Now, I just want to ask you one additional thing, and that is, would it be helpful um, if we did, any of us on this show, uh, interviewed family caregivers and maybe family members who've benefited from LEAP so that they explain to us what their experience was before and after and how it's benefited. Would, would you see that as a constructive thing to do? 
Okay. That is um, an absolutely brilliant suggestion, and I wish I'd thought of that instead of offering book chapters. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Um, uh, families uh, share all the time when we do family trainings. And um, some people, to my surprise, are coming to the training for a second, even a third time, because they say they get something out of it. Um, and I will, and we have people who are willing to talk about their experience. So um, uh, if you'd like that, I'd be happy to help you. You may know people uh, locally who have benefited from LEAP, but I think that's a wonderful idea. And that's, okay. you know what, their stories are much more powerful than any, any research, much more powerful than another doctor talking about his theories. Uh, absolutely, I would, I would suggest that. Terrific. Terrific. Okay. It's a great, idea. Follow- great idea I didn't have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to follow up with you on that one. Now, unfortunately, we've reached the point where we have to close down this uh, episode. I want to thank you most sincerely for this, what I'm going to call insight into an otherwise intractable and difficult, impossible situation for families, for individuals, and for people who try to provide care. What you've done is to say, this is the way to go if you want to be useful to the individual by being respectful to them, by going into a friendly negotiation. And therefore, that's why you should take the, the, the leap uh, and understand it for what it really means. So thank you. You're now, very welcome. Uh, okay, I want to say thank you to our listeners and for you listeners to ask comments or make ask questions, make comments. Here's the email address to use: docg at familycaregiversunite or one word dot org. And listeners, please join us for our next episode: special encore presentation, autonomy for persons with psychosis-related illnesses and their family caregivers. Look forward to connecting with you all again next week. And once again, Javier, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us for Schizophrenia Community Radio with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Thank you for supporting Schizophrenia Community Radio. We hope you, too, have gained strength.